Welcome to Lead Pods, the official leadership podcast from USMB for pastors and church leaders, where our goal is to increase our impact together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the USMB Lead Pods. My name is Matt Ayersman, and I'm your host today, and as always, very, very grateful for the chance to spend some time with you. Now, as you've probably heard, uh, t- starting with today's episode and over the next following weeks, we are going to be bringing you the speakers who are lined up to be um, at the USMB convention in Kansas City this year. Obviously, we're not able to do that. We're not able to meet together in large public gatherings with everything going on in the world. And while we're disappointed about that, uh, this is still a good chance for us to bring you the speakers who you would be hearing from. So uh, we're kicking off this series with Dr. Rob Reamer. Um, If you don't know Rob, he's been a pastor for more than 20 years. He's written several books, uh, including Soul Care, which I know several people have read, and I know it's been a helpful resource for a lot of pastors. So uh, looking forward to this conversation today. And one thing I love about this uh, this podcast is we bring quite a a big range of people. Um, So far, we've had several kind of more casual conversations where we just kind of dive in and talk about a specific subject and On today's episode, I think you'll notice uh, that Rob has 20 years of pastoring experience. Um, Several times throughout our conversation, I found myself just, I couldn't, my brain couldn't quite keep up with my ears, if you know what I mean. Like a lot of the things that he had to say were just had a lot of depth and knowledge that um, I'm going to have to listen a couple more times before I can really soak it all in. But he's just full of wisdom and some really practical advice that I think will be good for all of us in our leadership. So I will take a quick break here and get right to my conversation with Dr. Rob Reamer. Although USMB Gathering 2020 was canceled due to the coronavirus, we invite you to join with Mennonite brethren from across the United States as we gather online this summer to be challenged, inspired, encouraged, and empowered for increasing impact. Mark your calendar for July 22nd through the 24th and log on to participate together in worship, dynamic webinars, and business sessions and watch for Lead Pods featuring speakers scheduled for Gathering 2020. The podcasts will release July 17th, 24th, and 31st. Visit the USMB website at www.usmb.org for the schedule and registration information. All right, well, hey, thanks for joining us today, everybody. We've got another great episode I'm excited to share with you. We are joined by Dr. Rob Reamer. And if you were among those who are planning to come to the convention, you probably know that uh, Dr. Reamer was one of our uh, featured speakers. And I know a lot of us were looking forward to hear from him. And of course, that's not panning out exactly like we planned, but um, I'm glad that we still have a chance to talk with him today. So Rob, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I'm glad to be here and be with you guys from the MV here in the US. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, great to have you. So, you know, Rob, I was looking through your bio and you're one of those guys where, you know, a couple of sentences in your bio, I just, I have to stop because there's just too many impressive things to <laughs> to keep going. But um, you're the founder and president of Renewal Ministries International. You've written several books. Uh, today, we're going to mostly talk about soul care, which is, I know is a topic you're really passionate about. Uh, you're a professor at a, uh, Alliance Theological Seminary in New York. I uh, just, you got quite, quite the background. So um, anything else about your background you want to fill us in on before we get started? I was a church planner and a pastor for 27 years, so. Awesome. So soul care, I know we were just talking real quick just before we started recording that it seems like this is kind of a topic that's kind of grown in popularity in recent years. And um, I know, again, I know it's something you're really passionate about. So let's just start with the definition. So how do you define soul care? 
Yeah, so what I'd like to use is an analogy, Matt. So think of your soul for a second like a suitcase, right? I travel all the time before this COVID thing hit. And, mm -hmm. you know, before I would take a trip, obviously, I'd pack a suitcase, be nice, neat, clean, folded clothes. I'd get there. You do your three days. Everything's dirty. You throw it in the suitcase, make your way home. Before I can leave for my next trip, I have to unpack all the dirty clothes in the suitcase before I can pack in the nice, neat, clean, folded clothes. It's the same thing with your soul. For a lot of us, what we're trying to do is pack in the things of God. We're trying to pack in peace, pack in love, pack in freedom, but we haven't unpacked the junk of the soul that is inhibiting us from intimacy with God and freedom and fullness in Christ. This is what Paul had in mind when he said, you gotta take off the old, before you put on the new. Yeah, we'll dive deeper in there here in just a second. But I'm, I'm curious, how did how did this topic become something that you were so passionate about? What, how did the book come about and why is it something that you continue to speak on? Yeah, so I actually never set out to write a book. Um, it was really quite simpler than that. It was simply that I had planted a church. Church was growing. It was in New England, which isn't an exactly uh, hot bed for uh, spiritual things. Mm -hmm. uh, but the church was growing. People were coming to faith in Christ. And my marriage was on the fritz, you know, starting to fray and fragment. And uh, my wife got to the place where she didn't really like me anymore. And in the beginning, when my wife didn't like me, relational conflict, I did what most people do. We pray for the other person to change, right? I mean, that's what we do. God right. fix them, heal them, deliver them, do whatever you need to do kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you know, you pray that way for a while and you start to realize it takes two healthy people to have a healthy relationship. Scale mm -hmm. of one to 10, if you're a three, the healthiest relationship you'll ever have is a three. It ain't rocket science. You wanna right. move from a three to a five? There's only one path to get there. You have to change. Because if you keep doing what you've done, you're gonna keep getting what you've got. And so I got to a place where I stopped praying she changed and I started focusing on me. And I uh, discovered these principles, really. They're just the principles in God's word for freedom. But they're not to be, you know, just a book to be read like a novel. They're to be integrated into our daily existence and lived out so that we can live out the principles of freedom and fullness in Christ. And I'm, I'm sure the, the main scriptural backing that you have in your book most pastors and church leaders know those verses, right? It's probably stuff that we're probably teaching on Sunday mornings. So um, why, why do you think that church leaders struggle so much with this issue? Because I think it's a growing problem. Yeah, so a lot of times what we lack is what I call integration. Okay, so even the concept, we listen to someone teach, we read a verse in scripture, we read a book that quotes a specific verse or teaches a concept that we already have some familiarity with. And we say this phrase to ourselves or think it, oh, well, I know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know that, but right. do you live it? Mm -hmm. So that's a lack of integration. If I could use James for a second, right? James chapter four, he says, faith without deeds is dead. Really what James is saying, listen, is if you have a concept in your mind, but you haven't integrated it into your daily existence, your faith is doing you nothing. It's dead to you. It's meaningless. That's really where a lot of us miss on the fullness that's in Christ, we're not integrating it. So we know it, but we're not living it. So for example, we know that God loves us. Well, that's true. You know it. You can declare it, 
you can quote a verse about it, but hear me, if you're not living like a deeply loved person in all your interactions, then it's not doing you any good to know it. The Pharisees knew the right stuff and they killed Jesus. Right. Knowledge doesn't help us. We need integration. Yeah, and I, I think soul care is one of those things I think a lot of us take for granted. Probably a lot of people listening haven't spent a lot of time this week thinking about the, the combination of those two words. We probably just run on autopilot without giving this much thought. And so do you think, is it just the busyness of our day-to-day -day lives that, that prevents some of this and causes some of these problems? Or why is it not more prevalent that we're talking about this? Yeah, so I do think busyness matters. Uh, so, you know, let's let's talk about, you know, for example, confessing our sins. We all know First John 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know we're supposed to keep our confessions current, right? But you're running through life, you're super busy, you say some word that offended somebody and quite frankly offended God. And you blow past the moment because you're running on overdrive. You're busy and yeah. you miss the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the moment. You don't apologize. And now what happens is you quench the spirit. So, you know, if you think of the spirit of God, like a river, which the Bible compares him to a, a living water, a river, uh, you know, Ezekiel talks about the river of God, everything in the river lives what happens is the stream, the river of God starts narrowing in our lives and we end up with a trickle of the Holy Spirit's activity, work and transforming presence in our life. And so some of this is busyness. Some of it's neglect. It's spiritual neglect. We're not taking the time necessary to really give God access to our inner beings and check out the things of our heart. You know, Psalm 139, where David says, search me and know me. So some of it's that. Some of it is uh, ignorance. Well, I mean that in the best sense of the word, the true sense of the word. We just, we don't have a worldview for some of this stuff. You know, one of the chapters I talk about is deliverance. I'm talking about the demonic realm. Most of us grew up in a modern world, and yep. we don't have a worldview for the spiritual beings that are out there, except with a little bit of biblical understanding, but it doesn't impact us on our regular lived out existence. We don't think about it. Yeah. And something else I think that comes to play is just humility, right? I mean, you mentioned in your marriage, we're quick to blame the other person or pray for the other person before looking in the mirror. Would you say that's a big part of this too, is recognizing our part in this? Absolutely. So, you know, again, humility goes with, with community too, right? So I think humility begins with honesty and it ends with responsibility. And, you know, I think you start by admitting what's true, but if you're really careful to look at first John one, what he actually says is this, God is light and in him, there's no darkness. If we walk in the light as he is in light, we'll have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Now, here's an interesting thing, because if you follow what he said, what he should have said logically is this. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what he should have said is we'll have fellowship with him. But he didn't. He said we'll have fellowship with one another. Now, here's what John is actually assuming, right? He's jumped logic track. But here's his assumption. If you're really in the light with God, then you are walking in humility. 
If you're going to pretend to be something you're not with your brother or sister, then you're really trying to be better than you are. That's pride. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So humility always ends with community. And there we, we're honest in community. We're taking responsibility for our lives in community. And we're living without pretension. Man, that's really important to life change, deep life change. You can't have secrets without it impacting your soul negatively. You'll have shame. Shame will produce intimacy barriers between you and God and you and others. And you've got to bring stuff into the light and live your daily existence in the light with God and others to live out the freedom that is ours in Christ. Yeah, that's really good. And part along with the humility piece, I'm I'm guessing there's probably some people who think that they're probably fairly healthy, their soul is fairly healthy, but they um, maybe don't have, they're not really sure what symptoms to look for. So like, if what are some things that we should be looking for that, oh, maybe I'm not as healthy as I think I should be? Yeah, so uh, I mean, we can rattle off a few, but let me start with this one. First, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about anxiety. Why do I start there? Well, in the last year, anxiety has become the number one mental health problem in North America. More people are on anxiety medication than any other medication in North America, right? So it's a huge issue. But work with me for a second biblically. Jesus promised us peace that passes understanding. Mm -hmm. So often, anxiety is merely a symptom that my soul is out of alignment with God. And when I get it back into alignment, the peace of heaven is imparted to my inner being. And Jesus is never nervous. So his perfect peace trumps all of my circumstances, including COVID-19, civil unrest, and all the stuff that's going on around us right now. Yeah, that's good. And I... I was listening to a different podcast that you spoke on recently, and you talked a little bit about the importance of self-awareness. And again, that kind of plays in here. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, you, you know, you'll never rise above your level of self-awareness. We, we use this expression in the U.S., right? We say, what you don't know won't hurt you. Well, I'm just going to tell you, what you don't know about your soul is already killing you, and it's killing those around you, right? Yeah. You, you will never rise above your level of self-awareness. Our problem is this. Light is a gift. It's not an intruder. So we have to view light as a gift. Again, this means the light from God. When God shines light into the suitcase of my soul and he goes, hey, that's bitterness. Hey, that's envy. We need to stand in the light and go, yes, Lord, that's true about me. But then if I'm really living out First John 1, I need to not only stand in the light with God about that, I need to stand in the light with that person about that. And when I start living out that stuff, then, you know, self-awareness really starts to grow and freedom comes with it. The other piece is a lot of times I can't know the truth about myself without community. Jen saw things about me that I wouldn't have been able to see on my own. We all have blind spots. Mm -hmm. That's why we need community, but community that's full of grace and honesty. I, you know, I love this description in, first, in the first chapter of the book of John. It says Jesus was full of truth and full of grace. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't have a balance between truth and grace. Yeah. He didn't have a tension 
between mm -hmm. truth and grace. Every conversation Jesus has is full of truth, 100% truth. He yes. never, ever shades it. Mm -hmm. And it's full of grace, 100%, full of loving, mercy, and grace, and all that. And, and, and I think this is our model for community. We need to be full of truth, full of grace. And if we could live in community like that, and we could live in the light with one another, I think we'd have a lot better shot at self-awareness and ultimately freedom. My, my pastor brings up that passage a lot, and he, he talks about how you and I, maybe I'm 60% grace and 40% truth, and, or whatever the percentages are, but Jesus is the only one who's actually 100% of both, and that's, I wish I could be there. That would make life a lot easier if I was 100% of both, but we've got to balance with our humanity both of those things. Well, and, and what I would say, Matt, is I need to strive to be 100% both in every interaction. Uh -huh. So a lot of times what it actually means for me is I need to dial back before I speak. Mm -hmm. I need to pause before I interact. And I go, okay, if I were to do my best to have this conversation in a way that really, you know, follow Jesus' example, full of truth, full of grace, what would it look like? And, uh, but again, you're not going to do that without self-awareness. I got to sit alone with the Lord in reflection. I need to give him access. I need to allow him to look at my motives because if I have a little bit of bitterness tinging my soul, it's going to taint the lens of this conversation. And I'm going to say things that feel very truthful to me, very loving to me, but they're not, they're mm -hmm. full of enmity because I'm hurt. Yeah. And now I'm speaking through that lens of hurt and bitterness, mm -hmm. and I'm not speaking full of truth and full of grace. Yeah. So at this point, I think we've all probably got things in mind where we could probably use some work for soul care. So maybe let's kind of turn the corner a little bit and maybe let's say we've established some things we need to work on, some areas of our soul that need some work. What's kind of the next step? Like what are some practical ways that we can try to grow in, in soul care? Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, um, I was starting by having these conversations with Jen. Um, after every one of these conversations with Jen, you know, she was upset about things. She would point out things that she was upset with. Um, and I, I would go upstairs and get alone with the Lord. The very first thing I did was work on my identity, that I was deeply loved. Mm -hmm. Only if you're deeply loved and you know it, not know about it, but experientially, it's your reality. Only yep. then can you receive truth without defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Every time you defend yourself, in part, you're wrong because you are insecure when you're defensive. And that tells you you're not firmly rooted on your foundation. You are out of alignment, once again, in your soul with God. So for me personally, I would feel defensive in these conversations. And I made a decision that I would not defend myself. So I just collect the data. You know, I'd listen, I'd repeat back to her. I'd say, what I hear you saying is A, B, and C until she signed off and said, yeah, that's what I mean. And then I'd say, okay, I'm going to get along with God. I wouldn't give her an answer. Then I'd get upstairs, get along with God, and I would get on the true foundation. The issue of my value is settled at the cross. I am deeply loved. I was chosen before the foundations of the earth. I matter to God. Now... That I'm secure and I know it. Of these three things, Jen said, what is true? What do I need to own? In, in the fullness of God's love, I could own the truth about myself. But only when you're secure in love can you own the truth. 
And so I'd get super secure in that. Then I'd own the truth. Then I'd go back to community, First John 1, and I would go own it with Jen. I'd stand down there with her and say, hey, the Lord spoke to me. I have three things here we're talking about. These two I can own. This one, I, I really wrestle with God. I don't see it. I'm willing, but I don't see it. As I started doing that and changing, then, you know, our relationship changed. I started getting healthier. It changed my interactions with other people. I took deeper places with God. I started feeling more peace, more freedom, more fullness, more joy, more love. But only as I started unpacking the stuff of the soul. I think it's super hard to do alone. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to get with other people and dialogue. And, you know, that's part of being created in the image of God. He is community. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are community, and you were born for community. Nobody yep. makes it in isolation. So that's one. And then two, you're going to have to get alone with the Lord and really get secure in love. Mm -hmm. you know. And then as you're secure, own everything you can own. Take responsibility. Again, humility begins with honesty. You stand there and you own it. And then you take responsibility for life change. You do it with the help of Jesus, but you've got to own your part or you're never going to move forward. Yeah. And man, that's, that's got to be one of the hardest parts of being human, isn't it? I think we all had just in us have this defensiveness that, you know, it's embarrassing and it's, we're ashamed of it. But when we're in the heat of a moment, we just have that sin in us that wants to defend ourselves. And it takes a lot of discipline to get to what you're talking about. Yeah. And so actually the thing that actually helped me on this, Matt, one day I was having a conversation with Jen and I'm defending myself. And uh, this is the early days when we're struggling. I get upstairs, I'm alone with the Lord. And I say to the Lord, listen, we keep banging our heads against the wall. We're not making any progress. I need you to help me. And I'm waiting on the Lord and I hear the Holy Spirit. And he says to me, never defend yourself again. And I'm like, you know, like, that's one of my best tools, really. I mean, that's super useful to me. You he don't said, get it, God. <laughs> trust yeah. trust me said, on this one. <laughs> every time you defend yourself, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And he said, all you're doing is deflecting the light that I am offering you. Light is a gift. It's not an intruder. Mm -hmm. And uh, that day changed my life because I made a decision. I was no longer going to play the defensiveness card. Now, please hear me. I still feel defensive many times mm. but every time i feel defensive i realize that's because i'm not on the sure secure foundation of my identity as a deeply loved child of god mm. only insecure people feel defensive mm. if you were deeply secured in the love of god not just knew it but deeply integrated the love of god in your soul you wouldn't feel defensive Jesus was never defensive it's because he knew who he was. Wow. He knew he was deeply loved. That's why he could stand like a sheep before the shears in silence. And that's, yeah, that's powerful. That's a good point. And I think one of, for those of us who are married, one of the, um, the best parts and the hardest parts is they, we know that person the best, they know us the best. And we, of course, I would never want to hurt my wife. I'm, I know, of course you wouldn't either. But when we're not healthy, we end up hurting those people the most, right? And if they love us, the right thing for them to do is to help point these things out and help us grow. But that's a, that's a tough, tough thing to go through together. It is. And it takes two healthy people to have a healthy relationship, right? And here's the reality and the truth. You marry to the level of your brokenness. You're a scale of one to 10. You're a four. You don't marry a seven. 
you marry a four. You know, one of the great problems of marriage is you look at your partner one day and you go, this person's screwed up. They're all broken. I can't believe I married this person. And I'm just going to put the pause button on there and go, you married them because you're broken just like they are. Yeah. Now, your brokenness somehow or another is part of the attraction to each other. And mm -hmm. that's part of growing up together. You got to yeah. own that. You got to realize that. And there's no freedom in spin or defensiveness or justification or blame. There's yep. no freedom in that. The yeah. only freedom is to stand in the light, again, with humility, with others. And mm -hmm. now you got a real shot to grow up. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think a lot of us, if we get to the point where we really dive in and try to work on these areas, for a lot of us, it's because we're too late, right? Like something happened, like you're talking about, you have a, some kind of fight or disagreement, and then you realize something you need to work on. Is there yeah. anything we can do kind of preemptively that we can try to work on this before there's some kind of explosion? Well, I mean, some of it, it fortunately, you can catch early cracks, okay? So anxiety is kind of an early crack in the soul, right? Fear is an early crack in the soul. The number one thing God says in the Bible, more than anything else he says in the Bible, is don't be afraid, fear not. That's because he knew when you were wrestling with fear, you would more than likely disobey him. Mm -hmm. And so he says it all the time. Your emotions are often things that reveal the broken places in your interior world that need soul care. They need healing. They need alignment with Jesus. So you start with that. You start to realize, hey, I'm a little defensive. Hey, I'm a little fearful. I'm a little anxious. F you know, figure out whatever emotions that are there that are negative and popping up. I've got a little anger issue going on. I'm struggling with envy. Those kinds of emotional reactions are indicators of broken places. Jesus says it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks, the person acts, right? He doesn't actually say the person acts, but he indicates it by indicating people commit adultery out of the overflow of the heart, etc. So he's clearly saying motives, actions, feelings, all this stuff flows from the heart. So, you know, sadly, religion is about behavior modification, sin management. But Jesus is a heart and soul doctor who's into inner transformation. And out of the inner change, the outer life begins to manifest Christ-likeness. And that's really what we're after. But if we just clean up the outside of the dish, as Jesus says, the inside's all full of garbage. Yeah. So we got to go for the heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of this stuff, you really, really are going to have to lean into others because there's places that you just don't see it. You're going to have to say, hey, if I were broken at all, where might it manifest in my right. interactions with other people? Right. And let them speak without defending yourself. And if you do feel defensive, just realize that's because you're guilty. Man, oh, that's convicting, but it's so true. So kind of switching gears just a little bit, but on the same topic. So obviously we're recording this deep in COVID season. Um, here, I'm, in, I'm recording in Kansas. It's been a crazy week where our, our governor and our mayor and our city council are disagreeing with each other about what to do. And it's just, it's a stressful time. Everyone, even people who are normally pretty healthy and pretty um, even keel, we're all going through something we've never had to go through before. And it's all of us have some level of fear or stress or anxiety, or at least I guess I'll put my, I do. I know a lot of people um, that I'm around do. So do you have any advice for, for pastors, church leaders who the past several months have been 
a roller coaster of just trying to figure out how to do their jobs in new ways. Everyone's tense, and so relationships maybe feel a little bit more tense than usual. Right now, in this time that we're in, do you have any advice for us? Yeah, a couple of thoughts. First, I wrote a book about this out in this specific season called Calm in the Storm. Okay. Um, a couple of thoughts, just briefly. One is this. There's nothing like a crisis to reveal the inner cracks in your soul mm-hmm. or in our society. Okay. And what uh-huh. you are seeing right now are the cracks of individuals and our societal cracks being exposed through times of crisis. Listen, that's not terribly upsetting to me. That's actually an incredible opportunity for us. It's these kinds of crises that expose where our souls need work. And now the thing to do is you got to press in and press through to the place of victory. Too often what we do is we press in enough to Jesus when we're in a crisis and we feel these cracks in our soul. We press in just enough to feel a little better. We want to alleviate the discomforts, but we don't press through to victory. We only press through enough to get symptom management. That's all we're after. Again, that's behavior management, symptom management. We're not going deep enough to uproot the issues of the heart and soul, right? So you really got to go after it. One of the key issues about fear in the midst of a season like this is you're clearly too attached to the temporal and you're not deeply enough rooted in the eternal. So that's identity stuff. That's foundational stuff. But in a comfort-based society like ours, you are going to have temporal attachment. Hmm. So part of what I cover in that book is how do you deal with this temporal attachment? How do you detach from the comfort-based society we've been so attached to? And how do you attach more deeply to the eternal roots? I I told this story at the beginning of the book, but it's a fun story. I was on a a plane ride one time. This is a couple years ago. We were, Jen and I were taking a vacation. We were going to Cozumel leaving here out of Newark in uh, Jersey here. And uh, we're flying through, you know, straight to Cosmel. And all of a sudden, a flight attendant comes running down the aisle and she yells, there's a fire in the cockpit. There's a fire in the cockpit. I mean, she's screaming at the top of her lungs. I'm telling you, man, people are freaking out, right? That's a Hebrew yeah. word. You could look it up. And, so, <laughs> and they're just blowing a gasket. And she comes running back the other way and she yells, brace 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 right and she i'm telling you man people are yelling screaming crying some lady in front of me fainted her husband slapping her in the face to wake her up it was sheer pandemonium i literally looked at my wife i was reading a book i look at my wife i kiss her on the cheek and i said to her sweetheart if we die it's been a good life and i'll look forward to seeing you in heaven and i went back to reading my book She's reading wow. a book too. We land the plane. There's fire trucks all around. There's ambulances and emergency vehicles, lights and sirens. I checked my pulse when we hit the tarmac. It was 60. Okay. Wow. I mean, not a blip on the radar. And uh, the flight attendants were carried off the plane in gurneys because they were having panic attacks and sheer pandemonium, right? Now, hear me for a second. My calm in that situation is as real and sure as my home in heaven. Mm. But you will only live in peace in the circumstances of chaos 
to the degree your soul is rooted in your eternal citizenship. Paul never gets rocked by life's crazy events. And he has crazy events, constantly persecuted, unwelcomed in every city he comes to, but he never gets rocked. Why? Because he knew who he was, man. He was deeply loved. He had an eternal home. Thus, he looks at the church at Philippi as he's nearing the end of time. And he says, you know, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Mm-hmm. Man, you got to know who you are. And you've got to really understand, not just in your head, but deep in your soul, deeply integrated identity in order to live with peace in the midst of chaos. First of all, those flight attendants, the first thing they tell us to do is to remain calm, right? And they're the ones getting carried out on gurneys. So you, they weren't calm. That, that is a funny story. But yeah, I'm glad you got into the identity piece because I know that that's kind of one of the, the key parts of your book. And it sounds like that's maybe the first really important element in this discussion is remembering our identity in Christ and becoming secure in that and reminding ourselves of that. So that's, that's, a, great, that's a great piece there. I always say it's like the foundation. And listen, no matter how good the builder, no matter how good the building material, if the foundation is shabby, the house is in jeopardy. You can't overcome a bad foundation. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to know this stuff. One of the great problems in the church today is we use declarations, right? We declare who we are in Christ. But listen, if I'm declaring I'm deeply loved and I'm acting like an unloved person, according to James, my faith is dead. Mm -hmm. It's dead to me. All your declaration without integration leads to disintegration in your life. You've got to integrate. That means I've got to, in every human interaction, I've got to deeply dive into my identity, hold on to the truth of who I am. We use a misquote of Jesus all the time in John 8. We say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That is exactly not what Jesus taught. What Jesus taught precisely was this. If you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What Jesus was saying is you got to hold the truth. When? Precisely when you're in a moment where the lies are vying for position at the center of your soul and tempting you to live like an unloved human. Every time you live like an unloved human, you are living also a false foundation and you've got a shaky soul you've got to integrate the truth hold on to the truth and live out the truth that means you got to live like a deeply loved person in every interaction the more you do it the more the foundation gets solidified under your feet and your life gets stable you can't really overcome your identity issues mm-hmm. and along with identity we've, we've talked about this a little bit already but you've talked about the importance of community uh, the importance of humility and i both of those together, I'd love to hear your, your, your take on this. At some point, we might recognize that we can't do this on our own, right? Like you mentioned the importance of community. Um, and again, right now, mental health and all that is a big topic among um, our culture at large, really, and even the church. Some people, uh, especially maybe church leaders, might have a, have a hesitancy to seek counseling or um, psychology or anything like that. For some people might think that's, uh, you know, we should be able to handle this on our own with God's help. Um, but at some point, I think some people do benefit from seeking um, therapy or counseling. Where do you land on all of that? And when, is there some kind of breaking point when we might turn that corner where that's necessary? 
Yeah, so I think you always need community, okay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have friends that are sufficient for your current situation and crisis that you're going through. You can process with the close people in your life. They're soul savvy enough. They have enough wisdom to use a biblical category. Um, They have enough soul wisdom to be able to help you navigate through, right? Mm -hmm. There are other times where you can't get over the hump. You just can't fix it. You can't solve it. You can't resolve it. You can't remedy it. And you need somebody that has a little deeper soul wisdom to help you understand. Now, one of the great difficulties with humans is the complexity. You always have to divide between soul, that's the human stuff, and spirit. That could be Holy Spirit stuff, but a lot of times it's demonic stuff. You know, you can't cast out human. If you're wrestling with fear, and the fear is just strictly human stuff, it's connected to your identity, it's connected to wounding in your past, I can't cast that out. I can't wave a magic wand over it and make it go away either. I mean, you've got to process that. You need to bring that into the presence of Jesus. You need to hold on to the truth. You got to use all your tools to overcome human stuff, right? But other times, what you're really dealing with is actually demonic and what you need when it's demonic is you know a lot of times if it's truly demonic and it's it's uh you know demonization to use the actual greek word what you need is deliverance that's why jesus does deliverance ministries it's biblical and you know our problem today our western worldview has messed up our biblical lenses for this category so we ignore this category we just completely ignore it and as a result we put everything into the human category Well, I got to tell you, if it's human, you may need resource people that can help you. You may need therapy. You may need a counselor. You may need friends, and that may get you through. But when it's demonic, you're going to need a deliverance. And it isn't going to help to do all the human stuff. It's still not going to get you free until you also do the Jesus thing. And uh, Jesus did deliverance because he was really smart and he knew it was necessary. It's not because he couldn't discern between a human problem and a spiritual problem. He could. I know this is going to happen. We're starting to run out of time here already. I didn't get through as many questions from your book as I was hoping to. But as we we begin to wrap up here, Rob, um, again, if if people are more interested in this, of course, I encourage them to check out your book. What other things should we, that we haven't tackled yet, do do we need to be aware of? And what other steps can we take in our ministry to make sure that we're taking care of our souls? Um, I do I do a soul care conference, so we offer soul care conferences. Even nowadays, live stream, I'm doing them live stream. I'm actually doing a new thing, Matt, where I'm trying to work with churches and say to churches, hey, listen, if you've read soul care and you know pastors, you want to bring it to your church. There's a ton of places in the world I'm never going to get to, but now I can bring it to your living room. Yeah, and you know, awesome. so I, I said to them, I'll work with you. I'll be able to bring it to your church. You can sponsor it. Your people can sign up. You can get them into triads. I always have them process in community. And I will equip the leaders of the church to do the ministry of soul care to take it deeper. So we've expanded that in this season. It's been helpful. And listen, there's a lot of resources on a healthy soul kind of stuff. Pete Scazzaro mm-hmm. stuff, emotionally healthy stuff. He's got a bunch of stuff out there. David Benner's written a bunch on this. He's a Christian psychologist from Canada. Uh, There's a ton of stuff out there on this. Explore it. uh, Recognize, you know, uh, some of them are coming from different theological streams. Um, Some of them are not going to agree with every jot and tittle. So sift through it. 
you know, take out the stuff that's really Jesus honoring and useful and be able to, you know, weed out the other stuff. And it, it, there's a lot of stuff out there, though, that's really solid in this realm. And I'll bring in your airplane story one more time here. Again, this is kind of an overused analogy, but I think it's true that in those little safety demonstrations, right, they always say to help you put your, your own mask on before you, you put your mask, you help someone else put their mask on. And this is one of those things where if, if we're leading in the church or in our family or business or wherever, and if we're not healthy, we're not able to give our best to others, right? So as we kind of close out here, do you just want to kind of hit that home with the importance of taking care of yourself? Yeah, two things. First, uh, it takes a healthy leader to lead a healthy church. Yep. And so you can't lead people where you haven't been. You teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. So, you know, if you don't become healthy and you're not in a place where you're in alignment and you're free and full, then mm -hmm. you're going to lead people into emptiness. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you really got to make sure you take care of that for a second. Um, we, this thing really does not just deal with the human side of a healthy soul. It also deals with the spiritual side of abiding in Christ or remaining in Christ, depending on your translation, your John 15 analogy of the vine and the branches. And the reality is the command in the passage is not to bear fruit. But we act all the time, like Jesus told us to get busy, work hard, and bear fruit. He didn't. His command for us was to just stay connected to him. And if you just stay connected, deeply connected to Jesus, in vital union, without hindrance, his life will flow into you, and through you, it will bear much kingdom fruit. But the key is staying healthy enough that I have no hindrances to the flow of Jesus' life in my life. And when I can stay healthy and abiding, I got a really good shot at bearing fruit and having fun while I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, if ministry is not fun anymore and it becomes a, a real labor for us, uh, we got to really do a deep dive and examine and go, hey, this should be, this should be fruitful, but it should be not killing me. It should be fun too. Yep, there's hardship. Yep, there's grief. There's pain. There's difficulty. Oh, of course. That's the history of the church. However, there should also be a joy. Jesus was, uh, you know, acquainted with joy in the midst of even the cross. Mm -hmm. So there should be joy in the abiding. Rob, that's great. Please, if you're listening, please do check out Soul Care. And remind me the title again of the book that you were mentioning that you've been working on during COVID. Yeah, so I published a book called Calm in the Storm just uh, in May or something like that. The latest one I just published was Spiritual Authority. So I have six books. You can check them out. They're all on Amazon. Awesome. Cool. Well, Rob, this is such an important topic, and I'm grateful for your leadership for uh, the Capital State Church, as we sometimes say. Thank you for that. And I'm bummed we didn't get to hear you at the convention, so hopefully that'll work out maybe another time. But grateful for your time today. So thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, good to be with you. And I hope we get to connect another time at the convention in the future too. Peace to you. Yeah, thank you. And Rob, we don't do this very often, but I'm kind of feeling glad. Uh, would you mind just closing us in some prayer, especially if some pastors listening, um, if, they, if they're struggling with this, if there's areas they know they need to work on, just could you lead us in a prayer for that? Absolutely. Come Holy Spirit. We're just going to invite you, Holy Spirit, to shine light into the suitcase of our souls. Lord, you never shine light into the suitcase of our soul to make us feel bad. You only shine light to get us free. And so I simply pray that when you shine light into our suitcase, we wouldn't 
spin it, justify it, excuse it, rationalize it, deny it, blame someone else for it. We just own it. I pray for humility to stir in our hearts. We would walk in the light with God and others. No secrets. Lord, secrets are so crippling. We cannot use a tool from the kingdom of darkness to gain freedom in the kingdom of light. And if we're going to walk in the light as you are in the light, we can't use the tool of hiding, lying, and secrecy to gain freedom. So bring us into the light. Let us say yes. And then one step at a time, let us get super healthy. Let us find freedom and fullness in Christ. May it repair broken relationships, heal broken ministries, bring freedom to our people, and may the kingdom advance to the glory of the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Rob. Really grateful for your time today. Good to be with you, Matt. Blessings to you. MB Foundation provides biblical financial stewardship solutions to the Mennonite Brethren community. Inspired by 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, we encourage and assist individuals, churches, and ministries to take hold of real life through generosity. We call that giving meaning to money. Our services include planned giving, loans, fund management, investment certificates, and stewardship education. With offices in Hillsboro, Kansas, and Fresno, California, we are ready to serve you. Learn more at www.mbfoundation.com or call us today at 1-800-551-1547. MB Foundation is pleased to partner with USMB to bring you this episode of Lead Pods. Well, once again, I want to share my thanks to Dr. Rob Reamer for a really great interview today. Um, I don't know about you all, but I again, I was just really challenged by a lot of the things that he had to say and just had some really important things for us to think about. And I think I mentioned this in another recent episode, but I'm also just grateful that we're in a time where it seems like uh, most leaders are um, maybe a little bit more humble than leaders have been in the past. And we're all open to acknowledging some of our faults and, um, you know, the whole mental health and self-care and now soul care. Um, These are just important topics that I think the church has not done a great job at um, addressing for many years, and I'm grateful that we are. Um, I know many of you probably know Pastor Craig Groeschel, maybe listen to his podcast or follow Life Church, and one of his phrases that he says all the time is that people would much rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. And so I I encourage you, um, with this episode especially, to take some time to think about some of these areas where you might need some improvement, and you know, if you need some kind of help or assistance, seek that and go after it. Maybe it's reading uh, Dr. Reamer's book or seeking some counseling, or maybe just it's spending some time by yourself or with your spouse or with your team and going through some of these things that all of us need to address at some point. So I was, again, I was really challenged and encouraged by the episode and I hope you were as well. Uh, so again, over the next few weeks, um, we are usually releasing new episodes every other week, but we've got one every week of July. So I encourage you to come right back next week when we will continue to hear from speakers who are lined up for the convention. We've got uh, two more of those and we'll keep those coming. So have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Lead Pods. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to our show wherever you're listening today. Learn more by visiting usmb.org.
and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we learn more practical tools to increase our impact together.